Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Jajawarong and the Wadawarong people of the Eastern Kulin Nation and we wish to acknowledge them as traditional owners. We would also like to pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening. What do they do? Done. What Reimagined? Re- no. <sighs> Cleaned it up. Oh, God, what are the words? Mastered. <laughs> Remastered. <laughs> what are the words? Redusting. Right. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Chickstery. It's the podcast that is rewriting the history books to include the women that were written out of them. My name is Annie and as always now moving forward, I will be joined by the wonderful Phoebe Wilkins. Hello, Phoebe. Hello, Annie. Hello, Chickstorians. Hello. And uh, if you've just listened, if you've missed out on episode one, Phoebe is our brand new host, co-host, and she's also a historian. You're a genealogist. Is that right? That's right. Yep. So what have you been up to this week? Uh, look, I've been trying to break down a few brick walls for uh, some people's family yeah. history, mm. but I did just read a fabulous new book, which has come yeah. out fairly recently, called The Lost Apothecary by Sarah Penner. I love that word. Yes, so Apothecary. do I. Yeah. And even when you say it, you feel like you're saying it wrong. I know. You're like, Apoc- oh, what have I, what have I said? Apothecary? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um I know it seems so mystical and magical, doesn't yes. it? Yes. Um, but it's about so it's historical fiction, but it's about a um, a woman who finds something while she's mudlarking. Have you heard of mudlarking before? Oh my god, I'm addicted to mudlarking. I mean, I've never done it, but I just want to get in there with my gum boots and yes, and, oh, and the Instagram stories when oh you see god. them uncover things, and you're like. What, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? And yeah. then they like pull out some like ancient like teapot or something and you're like, how? And has, here's a hairpin or a, a pipe. Tell me, can, is there anywhere we can go in Australia to do that? I don't know. I haven't looked into it. I don't, look, I'm not sure you'd want to be mudlarking on the Yarra. <laughs> I really find a few of those bloody bikes. Yeah, or those e-scooters. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't believe the volume of stuff that, mm. that, that the Thames, you know, has on their shores. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, and you'd have to be so um, patient too, I'd imagine. Yes, yes. Like it's not like going to Sovereign Hill and, you know, getting a little bit of silt and finding yeah. your little fleck of gold. Yes, it, yeah. There's a lot of, there'd be a lot of work involved. So yeah. as far as I'm aware, you can keep whatever you find. Oh. Or there you can. I yeah, believe. Yeah. Um, but like I'd come home with so much stuff. I that it'd be the start of my hoarding career. I guarantee <laughs> that'd be done. I'll be that oh, little old woman that's living yeah, in a shack yeah, with yeah. all of these antiquities. Totally. Um anyway, we digress. Yes, <laughs> back to back to your book, Mudlarking. Yeah, so it's um it is set in the present and yes. in the past. Mm-hmm. And um 
anyway, I don't want to give it away, but okay. I, it's a definite recommend. It's been one of my favourites this year and I read quite a lot. Okay. So it's, it's up there. All right. If you like historical fiction and, you know, if you like apothecaries and finding old things. Yeah, Love it. Look, stay here for my book reviews, if any, if nothing else. Let's kick off with your Phoebe's Historical Fact. Okay, so um, I thought fitting in nicely with the chick I'm going to talk to you about today, I thought I'd give you a bit of a fact about the word or the phrase limelight. So it's a term that you would probably all know very well. Um, Someone that gets a lot of interest or attention is on the stage, Mm -hmm. is in the media. Uh, but it was first coined in the early 1800s when a Drummond light or a calcium light, which was a light that gave off intense illumination and was most commonly found in lighthouses. Mm. Um, so a calcium light is a powerful illumination that is created when an oxyhydrogen flame. Look at know, you getting all scientific. I know. Um, directed at a cylinder, uh, was directed at a cylinder of quicklime. So the method was oh. adapted and used to light stages and spotlight actors during the Victorian era. And each light required an individual operator who had to keep adjusting the block of calcium oxide as it burned and 10 to 2 cylinders of gas that fueled it. Oh, wow. But that is how we got the expression in the limelight. Uh, so it's your turn today. Look, this is your de- debut. <gasps> I know. Should I be nervous? You don't be nervous. I've got you. The Chickstorians have got you. We're here with you to 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 listen and to be educated about fabulous a chicken history. All right. Shall we do this? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So Annie, let mm-hmm. me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I think it would be safe to say that you've heard of dance moves such as the tango or the foxtrot. Um, okay, let me tell you a little bit about me. Please. It's interesting you bring that up. I did ballroom dancing for <gasps> my whole childhood. So I danced from the time I could dance, so maybe six or seven, and I finished dancing. I, I retired when I was, when I turned 17. Were you Tina Sparkle? I... <laughs> Uh, used to be taught by Tina Sparkle. No way. Yeah, Sonia Kruger used to be my Latin dance teacher and I used to go down to Wollongong. She taught in a studio down there. And I remember when that movie came out, Strictly Borum came out and she was doing that movie and we just were like, oh, my God, like we know someone famous. <laughs> she, I used to absolutely just admire her and look up to her and adore her and think she was just so beautiful and the best dancer and I wanted to be her. So I'm very familiar with the foxtrot and the tango and all of those. Well, you know, I have two left feet, but other than that. um, (laughs) But have you heard of the notorious dance called the spider dance? No, I have to say I have not heard of, of the notorious dance called the spider dance. The Although spider I dance. could, I could attempt. I could attempt. Yeah, I it. think you could probably um, picture in your mind yes. what it may look like. I'm thinking there's mm. a lot of legs and arms flailing. Yes, you'd be correct. Okay. So let me give you a little. Let me paint you a little picture. Please do. So the spider dance is where a lady's skirts were 
knee length and she would raise them up and flick them around. Uh, So think along the lines of something like the flamenco and she would touch her legs quite provocatively and centrally, quite slowly. And then as the music got faster and faster, she'd be touching her legs, giving off the idea that she had spiders on her and she had to shoo them out of her petticoats. Oh, my God. Brilliant. There's a lot happening. (laughs) Um, So in doing this, she was flicking her skirts as the music was starting to get more intense. And when it was beginning to reach its crescendo, she found the spider and she stomped on it. Oh, my Dead spider. Oh, my Dead spider. So you may be asking why I'm describing you, um, describing this to you. Well, recently I was listening to another podcast that was talking about language and words that Mm -hmm. are used mostly about women or really only about women. What's that podcast called? It's called Something Rhymes With Purple. It's about the history of words. I know it sounds thrilling, but it's actually very good. Oh, um, I reckon I'd love that. And I reckon yeah. a lot of our listeners would be into that yeah. as well. Lexicography. Hmm. Oh, Yeah, sexy. I think that's, I know, a good word, isn't yeah. it? I probably said it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they were talking about women's uh, language around women. And these words were usually derogatory or had quite negative connotations directed towards women mm. and only, and women only, sorry, and usually speak to their appearance, their sexuality or their power. Mm. Such words as hussy, slutty, bossy, ambitious or even frigid. Today I'm going to tell you about a woman called Lola Montez who was a dancer who created the spider dance. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So Strap in. Yeah, get ready. Get your dancing shoes ready. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She was also somewhat of a political advisor and a courtesan who was once described as lacking in public morality. Oh, I like her already. Mm. Okay, so let me set the scene. Lola was born around 1818 in Ireland. So this was almost 30 years before the potato famine was yet to cause mass starvation and exodus from the Emerald Isle. Mm. Sydney was just about to introduce their first gaslight, which would be lighting the streets of a large proportion of the urban population. Wow. And Cabri was only a few years from being established in Birmingham, England. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so about 1824, I think they established. Mm. I always thought Cabri was Australian. Yeah, well, I think they've got an Australian arm. So Cabri, I don't know if you've had Cabri chocolate in the UK, but it's different. It's got different properties to what it has here because of the... Our weather, so the oh. sort of melting points. Mm. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Lola Montez was born Maria Dolores Eliza Rosanna Gilbert mm. in Sligo in the north of Ireland to Edward Gilbert, who was a low-ranking army officer, and his 14-year-old wife who claimed to be of Spanish nobility. Oh, 14. Mm. I know. That's. Oh. I don't know how old he was, so... I can't speak to that, but 14 is very young. I bet you he wasn't very 14. Young. No, I yeah, could pretty much give you a guarantee that he was not. Yeah. Um, surprisingly, although we don't know much about Edward Gilbert, we also don't know Lola's mother's name. Her identity um, has never made it into the history books. Mm-hmm. Big shocker there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the family travelled throughout India, Scotland, London and Paris before Lola's father died of cholera when she was three and her mother remarried shortly thereafter. Lola's mother relocated to India where her new husband and Lola's new stepfather was a major in the British Army. Meanwhile, Lola was shipped off to boarding school in England and France. 
By this stage, Lola's mother had ordered her 19-year-old daughter to marry a 60-year-old judge of the Supreme Court in India. No. I know. Awful. Awful. Oh, no. Yeah. So anyway, Lola was not about this whole arranged marriage Mm. palaver Mm -hmm. and fled back to Ireland and married a man called Thomas James in 1837, whereby her mother very quickly disowned her. Thomas obviously was not... Um, as of higher means as the old judge was. Mm. Imagine living in a time when that was so important, you know, know, for for women to be paired up or paired off with someone and then if you didn't marry the right person or, you know, the acceptable person that you would be disowned. I know. Probably not only by her her family, like her mum, but probably like the community around her as well. It's just... Shocking anyway. I know. And then she would have been, you know, the first husband would have died and she would have expected to go on and marry someone of the same class and means. Absolutely, yeah. In society. Mm -hmm. Um, So two years later, Lola and Thomas jumped on a boat to India whereupon he swiftly eloped with another woman. Oh, Thomas. On the boat. Oh, eloped on the boat. Eloped on the boat. So he's, he's just gone, right, I'm eloping to the starboard yeah, side. Yeah, okay. Exactly. You just stick it down there in, with steerage. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. just like we're going to just run off to the other yeah, side of the boat. Exactly. Oh God, that's hilarious. So three years after this, Lola returned to England where Thomas sues her for separation on the grounds of her adultery on the ship. No. Come on. Go figure. Lola then made her way to Spain where she trained as a dancer and supported herself financially and emotionally. Good on you. Then on the 3rd of June, 1843, and calling herself Donna Lola Montez, she made her debut in London at Her Majesty's Theatre only to be heckled offstage by none other than her ex-husband's new wife. Oh, my God. You got the... You got the bloke. Just leave her alone. Just leave her alone and get, like, why are they even there? Exactly. Why are you giving her your money if you don't they like don't her They don't need so much? to go and watch her and heckle her. Exactly. Oh, Lola. I know. She was a showgirl. Uh, <laughs> I cannot <laughs> confirm nor deny whether <laughs> that song was named after her. I have not looked into that. Anyway, although Lola was destitute, she made her way to Europe where she performed in St. Petersburg, Munich, Warsaw and Paris and where she began moving in in intellectual and bohemian circles. She befriended George Sand, the French novelist, with whom she wore male attire and smoked cigars. Oh, I love that when when the women of that age just... You know, did it was so outrageous for them I, to I wear know. suits and smoke and hang out with men. I, I love know. it. What rebels! Mm-hmm. So she became the lover of several men of influence at the time, including the part owner of the recently established conservative French newspaper Le Presse. Before he was killed in a duel, and she fled to Munich, where she posed at a, as a Spanish noblewoman. Mm. She discussed political matters with Emperor Nicholas I of Russia was a mistress of German composer Franz Liszt and Mm. soon became the mistress of King Ludwig I of Bavaria after he saw her dance and became completely enamoured. Oh, she's really getting out there and making a name for herself. I know. Good on her. Yeah. Yep. Close to the end of his reign, King Ludwig, who was nearly 60 to Lola's 22, bought her a house, gave her an annual allowance and created her Countess Marie von Lansfeld. 
while Lola secured a season at the Munich Theatre. By this time, Lola exerted great political power and influence and contemporary sources have claimed that King Ludwig thought she had bold and novel political views which she fiercely and frankly laid before him. Lola had won the great support of student activists and later claimed that she was a devoted Democrat who was feared and despised by the ruling nobility. So she she held a lot of power. Yeah, she really did, and the bravery to even speak up about those things as well as a woman, not being from the the country originally, Mm. right? She's Irish. Irish, yeah. But she had, I mean, she'd moved. She she'd had quite a broad yeah. She's quite well, but she's only twenty two. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. What were you doing when you were twenty two? I don't think I was. You know, uh, look. When I was 22, I think I was just driving around in cars with boys. Yeah. So after the unprecedented upheaval and discovering Lola's past infidelities, King Ludwig abdicated his throne and Lola briefly fled to Switzerland. Oh, my goodness. I know. And imagine too, you don't just jump on a plane no. to go to Switzerland. Oh, God, no. Like that's, you know, a fair whack of tra- uh, travel. By 1849, Lola was back in London and marriage George healed, a match she declared was another marriage experiment. Okay. Mm. At least she's she's, she's she's out there just experimenting yep. and I just can't seem to get one. <laughs> Same, girlfriend, same. <laughs> she's like oh. taking over monarchies. She's <laughs> just dancing. And just, expe- like, just experimenting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hilarious. But um, Lola, who was arrested on bigamy charges and then released, returned to Spain with her new husband, George, where he drowned the following year. She's not having mm. a lot of luck in love. She's not. She's getting a lot of it, but she's, it's, no, there's not, it's not really... Um, it's not sticking. It's not sticking. That's mm. it. Yeah, she's throwing a lot of shit at the wall and there's not much sticking. <laughs> exactly, right? exactly. What bigamy is to? Uh, it's when you're already married and you marry oh, again. You marry again yes. while you're still okay. married. Okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. Lola then returned to the stage and toured Europe and America and it was here that she gave her first performances of her famous spider dance on the goldfields of California. Brilliant. With the gold drying up in the States, Lola and her new manager, Noel Follen, jumped on board the ship, the Fanny Major, and headed to Australia. The Fanny Major. The Fanny Major. I'm not sure how many trips the Fanny Major did. <laughs> Probably look that up, though. Yep. <laughs> of all the names. Of all the names. Oh. Fanny Major. Yep. Fanny Major. Good. Anyway, setting sail for Sydney, Lola arrived under the new name, Madame lansfeld Hield. Arriving in August 1855, Lola opened her show Lola Montez in Bavaria at the Royal Victoria Theatre in Sydney. A fortnight later, Lola arrived at the Theatre Royal in Melbourne to reprise her role for new audiences. Mm. However, not finding the same enthusiasm as in Sydney, her Melbourne audiences began to diminish and Lola decided to break out the spider dance to draw the crowds back in. It's going to do it for you, Lola. Mm. Come on. You know, this is your thing. This is your, it's your swan song. It's holding it in her bag of tricks. Exactly. Using it when she needs to. Yep. Yep. She was absolutely slammed by the press that derided her and her show was utterly subversive of all ideas of public morality. <laughs> I love it. Just flashing your legs back <laughs> exactly. then. Exactly. I know. Like, Ooh, oh, I can see an ankle. Jeez. And remember, I don't know when this was in the period of history, but women used to paint their knees. 
Yes. Have you seen that? That. Knee painting. I want to say that was after the Victorian era. I feel like it was early 20th century. Yeah, okay, possibly. like 1920s, like that Poss- kind of. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm, and, yeah. And that's fascinating in itself. That Isn't it? There was people that would paint your knees for you. Yes. Mm. And I mean, was, you couldn't really paint your own knees. Oh, you could, but that would be a bit of be upside down if you yeah, just exactly. depending on but isn't that extraordinary mm. we might need to look into that a bit yeah mm. let's look mm. at knee painting okay mm. yeah giving the melbourne crowd the flick she hit the road again and was performing in adelaide to packed houses before returning to sydney in the summer of 1856 back in victoria the following month lola found herself in ballarat performing to excitable crowds of gold miners who she invited to throw nuggets of gold at her feet as she danced love it she invited them to. Yeah, yeah, please. I'd like to invite you all now yeah. to throw your nuggets. If there are- <laughs> Only your gold ones, though. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you imagine, I, I can't imagine that anyone's getting like a bullion bar of gold, but imagine that hitting you. Yeah, that could do mm. some serious damage, yeah. right? But you'd better pay for your hospital bills, so well, you'd be all right. This mm. is true. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Win-win. Exactly. It's not surprising that the press was never much of a fan of Lola, a woman living on her own terms and entertaining the menfolk in improper ways. She was never one to shy away from criticism, though. When the Ballarat Times attacked her character, Lola retaliated by publicly horsewhipping the editor at a local Ballarat hotel. Horsewhipping? Yeah. Look, why not? Is that like a is that a metaphor for something or does she actually No, no, I believe she actually got a horse whip and And whipped him. And whipped him. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. So God, I'm, she's sassy. Isn't she? Yeah. She's just yeah. doing her own thing. I love it. She soon moved on as she toured the goldfields of Bendigo, Castlemaine, and other Victorian towns. <sighs> She's t- she's on tour. She's she's on tour and she's come right through my country town and yeah, I exactly. love it. After that, it was back to the States where she tried to revive her career and cared for her menagerie of pets, which I believe she had a white Australian cockatiel possibly. Oh. But not having much success with the revival of her dancing career, by 1857 she began giving moral lectures in America and Britain. So whether she had um, turned her life around or whether she was trying to, I don't know, remain an upright citizen. Yeah, or she might have. Financially. Yeah, or expanding people's minds about Mm. morality. True, maybe. Hang on one sec. Peggy, can you not with the bone? I can hear you from in here. I'm going to have to shut this door. Hang on. That's right. Historian Claire Wright explains that Lola believed wholeheartedly and self-consciously in her own historical importance. She perceived herself as superior to most women who would never have the courage to perform deeds which have left their mark upon society and viewed herself as a woman possessing the independence and power of self-reliant strength to assert her own individuality. Mm, Lola also believed in women's suffrage but only for those of her own political calibre and believed that women could have an influence. Since at least 1850, syphilis had been taking a toll on Lola's body and then at the age of 43 in 1861, Lola Montez died alone in a New York boarding house. Oh, wow, that's so young. It's so young and she's packed a lot. 
Oh, yeah. Her very it's, short life. And such a lot of travel, right? I She's know. been everywhere. I know. Imagine just putting a backpack on, trekking. <laughs> and that is the story of Lola Montez, a woman who loved who she wanted to love, escaped those she didn't, lived by her own rules, and just happened to be the first woman to be photographed smoking a cigarette. That's fantastic. I know. Oh, so, she's incredible. I know. There is a movie um, called Lola Montez, which oh. was made in 1955, oh. which one American film critic called the greatest film ever made. And I believe it's been remastered. Okay. So it might be a bit easier to watch. So go to your local library, see if they've got it on DVD. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Definitely. Definitely have to check that out. That's amazing. And did tell me, did the spider dance live on in I don't believe it did. Her wake I, or not? I, I think it was hers and hers alone. And I'm not entirely sure that she performed it a lot. Right. She was just known for, for that. It. And some of the um, research I was doing particularly around what Claire Wright had written, mm. is that, you know, in Australian history, or, or if Australians know of Lola, it's very much, oh, you know, that you're so controversial, etc. But in Europe, it's different because she was this woman who, you know, backed this political um, movement. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's a completely different take from what... Mm people may know here from mm-hmm. our history books compared to what maybe people in Germany yeah, might know right. about this woman that had such a big influence yeah. um, in the political scene in the 1840s. So it's amazing how differently history can be perceived. Yes, yeah, 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 exactly, depending mm. on geographical location. and Absolutely. And, and, that she, and that she'd also, it's almost like she had, she lived two lives, right? So she had mm. that part of her life that she had in Europe and then coming to Australia she, she allowed herself to be more kind of, um, and also that she called herself a madam. Like can you just, can you do that? Can you just give yourself? Oh, why not? Okay. Madam yeah. Phoebe. Yeah. Oh. Doors open at midnight on the dot. No, or would you be? Would you be? You'd probably be Madame Wilkins. Yeah, doesn't really have a nice ring to it, does it? Madame Wilkins. Mm. But it was an a, a time. It was definitely was not an easier time. But it was mm. a time in which it was easier to change your identity. Exactly. To exactly. to marry whilst you're always married, uh, already married. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean it was right, but no. it, it happened. And also elope while you're on a boat with your own yeah. wife. And look, when I picture this, I just picture this little dinghy. Obviously it wasn't. But you're like, no, you stay up there, Dal. Well, that was fabulous. Thank you. Thanks for Thank telling you. us all about Lola. What, what a, a legend. legend. We love her. Anyway, go and watch. Um, You can uh, YouTube the spider dance. I think Sovereign Hill or the Ballarat Historical Society have done um, you oh, know, fantastic. done a little little thing. Oh, so that's you so can good. watch someone reprise the role of the spider dance. We'll see you guys next week for another episode of Chick's Tree. See you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.